Howdy, y'all. This episode of South of Scruffy Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Cosmetic. Cosmetic CBD-infused skincare products help ease aches, pains, inflammation, and arthritis by using their proprietary CBD formulas. Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream is infused with their patented CBD formula, which naturally fights inflammation in achy muscles and joints. I rub it deep into an achy muscle and it starts working within seconds. Each bottle of Cosmetics Hemp Pain Cream is infused with 400 milligrams of their proprietary CBD solution. You can get 20% off of your entire cosmetic order by going to Cosmedicated.com and using promo code SOS20 at checkout. That's SOS20. Be kind to your skin with Cosmetic Hemp Pain Cream. All right, let's do the podcast. Welcome into SOS Podcast. My name is Ben Fields. Do you know what we do here? I have uh, meaningful conversations with talented people. Mostly film people, music people, artists, people like that. We record these conversations. Then we put them up as videos on YouTube and release the podcast every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We've been doing this since the first week of 2020. Every single week we've put out a new podcast and we're going to keep doing it. All right. We're having a blast. So hope that's all right with you guys. If you want to support the podcast and become a part of the Patreon community, go to patreon.com slash south of scruffy and check that out. Get some bonus content there. Get some cool stuff and just a little peek behind the curtain. And it helps us out big time. And uh, I'll have to say, of all of uh, our patrons out there, there are two that I feel that are really getting their money's worth out of the Patreon thing. And that is uh, Matt in Memphis and Jonathan in Knoxville. So Jonathan is uh, Jonathan actually recommends guests for the show. And uh, we're going out and tracking those people down and getting them in here on the podcast. So it's actually like Jonathan is curating his own podcast, which is pretty cool. He's got somebody he's interested in, wants to know more about. He recommends them for the show. I go get him, bring him in here. We talk. He knows more about that guest. I think he's, I think he's doing it right. And then uh, Matt in Memphis, uh, he's taken the uh, bonus content that we put out and uh, kind of deep dives into it with me uh, and by DMing me and getting. We we have a little conversation about it, what it means, uh, kind of wax poetic on on some of the bonus content that we put out there. So it's fun. And uh, we appreciate them. And um, the Patreon thing is just an awesome way uh, if you guys want to get involved for you to get a little bit of extra stuff while helping us grow the podcast. And uh, you can get into the Patreon community for five bucks. It's like uh, buying me a fancy cup of coffee, but better because it helps uh, grow the show. That's patreon.com slash South Scruffy. All right. Zach Roskop is back on the show. If you've been around since the beginning, then you know uh, about Zach and you know Zach Roskop. You know that he is the unofficial mayor of Knoxville's craft beer scene. Uh, he's got a couple companies out there, Knox Brew Tours and Knox Brew Hub. Uh, they help shine a big old light on the breweries here in town. And uh, Zach has kind of become the de facto Switzerland of craft beer uh, here in town. Everybody loves him. All the breweries love him because he helps get people in the doors there. And then his bar, he uh, carries all the all the craft beer from the local breweries and uh, we talk about it a little bit in the podcast, uh, talking about Zach's bar. He says, you know, my bar is the only place in town that encourages you to go drink somewhere else, <laughs> which I don't know, sounds like it sounds like a questionable business model to me, but it's working for him. Um, 
So uh, if you haven't been to his new craft beer bar, Knox Brew Hub, you got to go. Um, it's on uh, Union Avenue in downtown Knoxville. It's an awesome place. Um, when Zach and I met for the first time, he was a guest on this show and we hit it off pretty well and we enjoyed each other's company. Uh, but after about a few days, we kept in touch. We kept talking. We came up with this idea uh, for a format for this show called Six Pack with Zach, where Zach brings over a guest and a six pack of craft beer. And we talk about the guest and we talk about the craft beer. And uh, Zach and myself kind of tag team that podcast. Well, we did that this week. This is, I think, our third one that we've done. I think our third one. Uh, but this this week, Zach brought over Cam Molidor. And uh, Cam is new to Knoxville. He just moved here from L.A., and he's producing video for Zach's radio show and video podcast called Knox Brew Radio. Uh, and that happens every Monday live at Knox Brew Hub. It's Monday at 6 p.m. And then uh, Cam produces the videos for those that go up on YouTube uh, for kind of a radio recap deal uh, where you can listen and watch that show later. So go check them out. Go check out Knox Brew Hub, Knox Brew Tours, and uh, you can see all of their stuff that they're working on together, both Zach and Cam. You guys want to do the podcast? Let's get to it. Here's me and Zach Roskop with uh, Cam Molidor. We're doing the podcast. Are these headphones on? You want to do it? Let's do it. <laughs> yes! I can't wait to tell you about Cam and then him to tell you more about himself. Yeah, about Cam. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for bringing Cam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got to talk to him a little bit. Yeah, I hate that I was late. I should have asked, I should have told Cam nine thirty, even though you said nine. Yeah, because I was, would have still been here at eight forty five. <laughs> <laughs> he he is an industry dude. He was here fifteen minutes early. Yeah, yep. ready to roll. Yep. Yeah, that's called on time. Yeah, it is <laughs> in the business. In it's the just business. it's just burnt into my brain now. Like I'm I can't same I can't way. do it any other way. <laughs> Freak some people out. Yeah, you I was show hoping- up fifteen minutes early. Like, ah, ah. Right. Well, but, like I was pulling up and I was like, "Fuck, he only has a driveway." Like I was like, "I gotta go to his house." Like I can't. He's go. like, "You're gonna sit in the street." Yeah, for just a chill for a minute. And like I was on the phone with my mom. She was telling me some weird story from work, and I was like, "This is great, chill talk forever." And then I rolled the window down. He was like, what's up? And my mom was like, where are you? <laughs> in Tennessee, mom. Yeah, I was like, I live here. That's perfect. <laughs> Zach. Mm-hmm. Cam. Okay. Hey. Happy Thanks for bringing here. Cam over. Dude, I'm ex- I'm super pumped about this. Um, I know you've asked me a few times to come back. I really appreciate that honor. This is a highlight. I like prepped for this i've got a bed in the back of my van i'm sleeping in your driveway tonight. that's the best prep you can do it's like a sleeping bag and- um it's always been an honor and a pleasure it was it was great to be a part of the show early on yeah and, uh, thanks so much for having me back of course you asked me uh if i wanted to bring somebody with me mm-hmm. as, as has been the tradition and cam immediately came to mind i think uh, you guys have a lot in common and I'm still getting to know Cam as, as he's newish to Knoxville, yeah. uh, but he's an artist, undoubtedly. And I can't wait to tell you a little bit more about his story. So. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. Of and course, to drink dude. some beer. Yeah, man. Yeah. Of course. So I, I was looking today and uh, you were here early on and then you were here yeah. in the teens yeah. and then you're here in the 40s and now it's the 70s and you're here. And Dude, it's, it's been great. so wonderful to watch you grow and to, Thanks, man. to see you go from audio only to audio and video and to see your subscriptions grow. And, your, and it's just been, dude, you have had... Some amazing guests. Oh, thanks, man. And and I do you remember when the first time you had me on, I asked you 
Like who were some of your like bucket list guests? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, if you have, you've gotten real close to some of those, and I think it's only a matter of time before you're going to more of them. You're going to need a new bucket list, man. (laughs) Thank you. It's been really awesome. Uh, I think you know COVID has obviously been difficult for a lot of people, but it helped. I think with you a little bit to have some artists that would have normally been on the road who were like, "Hey, I've got you know nothing else to do. Let's talk about what we've got going on." That was really cool to see. That was kind of a blessing in disguise. Yeah. And we're lucky to be able to continue to do it because we had, you know, we had the the uh, uh, plexiglass up in between everybody and they came in that door and I came in this door and we right. did like the full no contact kind of thing. And we were able to still do them in person, which was great. But to your point, Zach, it was kind of a blessing in disguise that these musicians especially yeah. weren't on the road. And yeah. they were looking to do something and tell stories because that's yeah. what they do. And they came here and did it instead yeah. of, you know, going down the road. And- it was awesome. In the beer industry, the the sort of what we've all decided is it was the break we didn't want, mm. but the break that we needed. Yeah. Hmm. A lot of a lot of brewers and brewery owners said that the highlight of COVID for them was that they got to spend more time with their family. Yeah, you know because they were kind of workaholics like myself and were busting their ass as hard as they could, and COVID sort of forced them to like stay home for a minute. And feed their soul, yeah. like build back up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. People said a forced reset at the beginning, but it really makes a lot of sense now because we realize how much we, mm-hmm. everybody needed it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it seems like. Cam, dude. Yeah. So you, you're from California, right? Yeah, I'm from Los Angeles. Yes. All right. Yes. Yeah. So let me tell you how I met Cam. <laughs> okay. And then I'll give you a little idea about why I, I brought him with me tonight. Okay. <laughs> so we were at uh, Knox Brew Hub. On a Monday night, which is when we do our emo happy hours. Okay. We just listen to just straight like AFI taking back Sunday, My Chemical Romance, like oh, yeah. Hawthorne Heights. And we're hanging out, listening to to sad music about, you know, our challenging relationships <laughs> with our fathers. <laughs> and um, Cam just like walks up to my group of friends and he goes, hey, uh, I'm Cam. I moved here from California during COVID and I don't have any friends. Will you guys be my friend? (laughs) Looks like it was effective. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was, it was awesome. It was. And I've never felt like so instantly welcomed. Typically I get like this weird look when I'm trying to like, just like just walk up. I've always been like that. Do you pull that a lot? Do you pull that move a lot? Is that the, is that a rehearsed line? It's not rehearsed, but I would say that like, I don't want to be like, yeah, no, I look for friends all the time, but I have plenty, but like, I, uh, I just have no qualms. Like the worst thing that they could have said was like, get out of here. Right. And I, and I'd be like, okay, cool. I'm never coming to this place again, or I'm still going to come to this place and make awkward eye contact with Zach. Um, (laughs) but perfect. I, uh, yeah, I was sitting with my partner, Corey and she and I were sitting there and, um, I was like, man, that group of people seem like they're having a really good time. And they're here on emo night. And she goes, just go be yourself. And then I walked up and that's yeah. what happened. We were over in the corner going, come I rested black. Oh, you yeah. know, just singing emo shit. Oh, yeah. and it was great. Yeah. It, it was, was magical. Awesome. It was great. And it appealed. And so Cam sat down and we, we got to chit chatting and, and asked him a little bit more about what he does and who he is. And, you know, one thing led to another. And as you know, you know, we started this radio show where we talk about Knoxville beer every Monday. At yeah, the what's Hub. it called? Knoxville Radio. Okay. You know, we kept this <laughs> stupid simple. We got yeah. Knoxville Tours, Knoxville Hub. And so naturally the radio show was Knoxville Radio. Yeah. And I uh, was chit-chatting with Cam and he's got a background in film, wow. which I know you do as well. Yeah. And that's where I, one of the main reasons I wanted to connect you all. So Cam and I got connected and 
he now is filming our radio show and, and prop throwing it up on YouTube the next day. And the more that we get to hang out, the more we get to know each other, the more thankful I am that he is in Knoxville. I think he's making Knoxville a much better place uh, it, by, by bringing you and Corey here. You guys are just kick-ass people. Oh, <laughs> thanks, man. And, uh, and it was a no-brainer for me that when I imagined the three of us sitting here drinking a beer, you know, Cam was, was sitting here. That's so. perfect. Yeah. Yeah, the, the show is good. Thanks. It's man. very good. Thanks. You and I talked about it. Uh, I mean, you did it like that. I mean, you, you kind of had yeah. it in your head, and then it, yeah. it was all of a sudden it was out there. Well, you know, Stryker and I were doing a radio show. Who's every Strike Kevin Summit. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a lot of radio names. Every time he changed radio stations, he changed his name. Is that an effective approach? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't you know. It seems like a good way to get people to forget about you. Yeah. Yeah. So he was Kevin Summit, just Kevin Stryker. Uh, on our radio show, we called him Mama Called Me Kevin. Mama Calls Me Kevin. That's yeah. pretty good. Um, and um, so, yeah. So him and I connected over a love of craft beer. And we were doing a radio show every single week on WTK. Yeah. Are yeah. you not doing that anymore? No. It was called okay. Knox on Tap. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that. Yeah. It was that, good. Was it Wednesday nights? It or? was uh, Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Yeah. At first at seven and then at six. Yeah. And, and, and and that show went well and we learned a lot and we had a great time. But it sort of, it came to a point where we had a, a bigger vision. Mm. And WTK is a wonderful station and they do great work. But being under the university, we, we had a few limitations. Sure. And so we chose to to leave the station and continue the same show, more or less, but rebranded it and expanded into a sh- radio show and a podcast mm. and a YouTube channel and a blog, which yeah, I know sounds you, a little crazy. It's what everybody does now. No longer do you just make a video. You make a video that has 12 different deliverables to well, go yeah, to a bunch of different places. What, what do they call us? Like all the boomers that like give us a bunch of different names, but like we're the slash generation. Have you mm. heard that too? Is no, that, I've not no, heard that. No one is just like a business owner. They're a business owner slash videographer slash yeah employee slash all this kind of oh, stuff yeah, yeah. because you have to be yeah well our entire generation has just had to hustle nonstop yeah. because it's been a grind well, it seems like another thing about doing a, a terrestrial radio show is that you can't really find the metrics how so, many people are listening yeah that's why we record exclusively in outer space yeah <laughs> so uh so the radio show is on channel z which is an internet radio station okay and and that you know i'm not sure this is kind of boring we'll go over this quickly but One of the things that was exciting to me about the radio show and the podcast and the YouTube channel and the blog is that every single thing we were doing was measurable. Mm, Yeah. Because it's on an internet radio station, we can tell how many people are listening. How how, long they're listening. How long they're listening, (laughs) when they tuned in, when they tuned out. And, And for us, you know, I want us to create content that matters and that people are enjoying and we have direct feedback because of technology mm. to see if what we're doing is worth a damn or not. Yeah. Um, and I was, I have apps. I'm so lucky that Cam introduced himself because he's done a kick-ass job uh, with the video side of, of our show. Yeah. It looks, it looks really good. And you guys have a bunch of people sitting around a table talking about craft beer, right? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. watching it. It's not just interesting. If you like craft beer, it's interesting yeah, just to hear personalities that's like something a podcast, that, you know, that's something that I really love about Zach is that he never just made a podcast about beer. Mm. He made a podcast about the people of Knoxville and their stories and the mm. brewers of Knoxville. And that's what makes a compelling, as you know, as a filmmaker and as a, you know, film person slash, 
slash <laughs> podcast host slash shiner. <laughs> you know, he, you, Zach brings in people and at the core of every piece of art, you want a story. Mm. And so that's why we have this moniker Knox brew stories that you can find under thing, everything under because you know, Zach is really good at getting into the people's roots and what they want to say about what they're passionate about. And I think that every person can relate to that on some level, whether or not you're a brewer, you know, yeah. you, you, you understand people busting their ass to do something good. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you look at the podcast crowd, people that listen to podcasts and especially podcasts like this, where it's long form conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. A, a lot of times people gravitate towards the guests or, or sorry, towards the host. And they don't really care who the guest is. They don't care if the guest is a, is a filmmaker. They don't care right. if the guest is a mathematician. They don't care. You know, they, they're interested to learn. Right. And even though they might have a, you know, a, somewhat of a, 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 a carnal interest in, in, in the show or in what the guest is, is talking about, I think, you know, a story is paramount to just about everything that we do in filmmaking, absolutely in podcasting and, and whatever it is. And it's, it's, it's becoming more and more universal by the day. Well, it doesn't matter if you're interested in it or not. Right. People like a good story. So, so we're in the process of, of restarting Knox brew tours. And in that process, I went and met with every brewery that we work with. Hmm. It's been a year since I've been in their space and sure. I just wanted to touch base with them. And as I was sort of repitching who we are to each brewery, I said, we are storytellers at Knox Brew Tours. Our goal is to tell your story, to connect people to your brand and to your product through stories. And so to that point, I think at the core of humanity is storytelling. And it's kind of the ultimate source of, of connectivity, of community, yeah. of entertainment is, is all about storytelling. And I was, I was, Sitting with Brent Collier today, uh, a guy <laughs> at Pop Fizz, and we were watching a bunch of like fishing industry stuff, people that are making this beautiful stuff and going to the, the far corners of the world, making these beautiful fishing films. And we watched like five or 10 of them in a row. And we're like, man, this is beautiful. This is great. Where's the conflict? Where's yeah. this? Yeah. Where's the story here? You know, and you can't really have a, a story without a little bit of conflict it feels like conflict drives a story that's the thing that drives a story i don't care how well constructed your your protagonist is or even your subject if you're doing a documentary mm. there has to be some kind of adversity that the audience roots for them to overcome mm. it's just basic storytelling yeah you know you if you're in film school or if you're doing whatever you see that stupid hollywood three structure act like arc that you see all the time and you hit all these marks but you also have to generate conflict within uh come to my class i teach that dude <laughs> <laughs> Last Sunday, a friend came over and was like, hey, I think the end of the Formula One race is on. I was like, what? Do you like Formula One racing? He's like, well, I, I kind of accidentally turned on this documentary on Netflix about <laughs> Formula One racing. Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? So he pulls up Netflix and we start watching episodes of this Formula One, you know, whatever. Something that you don't care anything no, about. I care yeah. nothing about it. Yeah. Right. I watched one 40 minute episode. And I was like, uh, "He's my new favorite driver." Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm buying a jersey tomorrow. Yeah. When's the next Formula One race? Yeah, and because in that 40 minute, you know, episode about Formula One racing, there was all the elements of of life, right? Yeah, the struggle, the victory, the conflict, the resolution, the everything, and it's amazing. And I I applaud whoever's producing that show. In 40 minutes, they made me a Formula One fan. 
And and, and that's and like I the highest praise you can get, right? I, like, I literally fell asleep last night till this Formula One documentary about you know racing. Indy car racing in the middle of somewhere in the world. That's amazing. I mean, it's a good, a good way to say that stories can be interesting if told the right way, no matter Absolutely. what the subject matter is. Yeah. Right. And that's what I think you do with, with, uh, the radio show oh, is, is not just the, not just the beer side, human side. Yeah. Yeah. One of, uh, we have a tradition on the show, uh, we're eight episodes in where every single episode we ask our guest, what is a positive memory or a positive experience that you've had during COVID that you'll remember for the rest of your life. And that has nothing to do with beer. Mm. We've gotten a wide range of answers. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I will probably continue to ask for a while. So, well, talking about conflict, I mean, COVID is built in conflict. That's universal to everybody's mm-hmm. life. Yeah. It, it, it was, uh, it, it was a blessing for very few people, you mm-hmm. know, it was kind of, yeah. it was hard for just about everybody. Yeah. Right. You know, some people, some people made a lot of money off of it. <laughs> right. You know, but but for most people, the last year has been, you know, uh, nothing but something that we've well, had to adjust to. And, and for a lot a of people, it's nothing but devastating for mm. their families. Yes. So, it's, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm only it's the full spectrum. I'm only 32. And in 2001, when the September 11th attacks happened, yeah. even though I was in middle school, I remember being bonded with people by because of fear i remember fear mm-hmm. being terrible but it also sort of unified people. unifying us and i remember feeling a similar feeling the only two times that i recall in my life feeling that same level of unity was was september 11 and you know the end of march yeah beginning of april it was kind of like yes this is terrible this is scary this is uncertain but we're in it together. but there was a weird comfort that that we were all in it together yeah it feels kind of it, it, it's a shame to that we were somewhat divided during the the, the bulk of covid coming yeah. on us and all that because yeah. it's a great opportunity for us to unify mm-hmm. because right. it feels like we had this this innate feeling to do so bond together um with you zach same thing. Nine eleven was the last time that I really felt that like humanity yeah. bonding together yeah. and like feeling like, okay, shit, yeah. <laughs> we're in trouble. Yeah. Let's, let's get together right now. I would say the only other time that that I felt like that to me was that one summer that Pokemon go came out <laughs> <laughs> where everyone I was think trying that was to just catch a weekend. Dragonite. Oh man. Well, yeah. I, I, I still play. I yeah. love, I love Michelle Obama, but I have to say that before I say this next thing. <laughs> One but. of the best tweets I've ever seen was Pokemon Go has done more for childhood obesity <laughs> than in Michelle, 48 hours than Michelle, than Michelle Obama. Obama has done in eight years. That's good. Yeah. I like it. I like yeah. it. And that was a, one of the funniest things I've seen. Yeah. Pokemon Go crushed it. There. Yeah. My friend, uh, my roommate who uh, literally had a bike with flat tires for three years, bought a pump. So he could pump up his bike tires so he could go catch Pokemon faster than yes, everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I love Hell yeah. it. You can still hatch your eggs while you're on a bike. I remember I was on, uh, I was on union <laughs> Avenue right next to where you're right next to where the brew hub is now. And I was standing there. It was the weekend that Pokemon go juiced up and got going. Yeah. And I was, I was standing there or walking somewhere with my wife. And all of a sudden this kid just comes up straight towards us on a skateboard and just like stops right in front of us and pulls up his cell phone and does something. And I was like, what? 
going on right now. <laughs> I, I, I checked. Uh, I yeah. checked the next day. It was Pokemon Go. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was heating up. I, I waited for Pokemon Go to come out. I knew about it for like six months. Hmm. I have two Pokemon tattoos. Like Pokemon is my life. Really? Um, yeah, I love it. I love yeah. it so much. Um, I have a Squirtle on my thighs. I could probably see it. There you go. Um, oh, yeah. yeah I have right it right there. there. And then I've got my Cubone right there. But It's a good pickup line, by the way. Yeah. I've got a Squirtle yeah. on my thigh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so they run away. They're like, above uh, it, sounds a- like you don't need me. <laughs> yeah. 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 You should see my Cubone above it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got a Cubone. Oh, yeah. It's, how else do you think I landed Corey? <laughs> Dude, how'd you end up in Knoxville? What made you move here? Yeah. So yeah. Um, I was working at an all boys Catholic high school in, in California. In California. In LA. In LA. Okay. And um, I, di- I didn't like it. And working with the boys was great. They were awesome kids. You know, they were really, really, uh, I, no, they weren't respectful, but they were like trying, you know, yeah. um, they're, they're, teen- boys. they're teenage boys. Yeah. And especially at my school where it's like super encouraged, like the boys will be boys mentality. So it's like if boys started wrestling in class, you let them do it. And that was so weird for me because I'm not hyper masculine, never have been. And seeing teenage boys when that they're most masculine because testosterone is like coursing through their veins. Um, and then having to go to like the assistant principal or the dean of students or the principal and being like kids are punching each other in the throat in my class and you're telling me this is okay but then you also want me to manage a classroom like i can't do that there's a disconnect so uh i started looking for professorships because i have the highest level of education in my field i've always wanted to be a professor i've always wanted to be a film professor specifically Mm. because i think like film to me is the number one medium that can one reach a mass audience better than any other uh, medium, but it also gives someone an avenue to display what they're feeling in moving picture and sound the way we live our lives. Yeah. What about music? You don't think music is a, a more I was universal sa- I was way to the same thing. Way so to, I think uh, music. I think people. I think music does, but I've also ran into so many people that don't even listen to the lyrics to the song. They just like the beat. You know, so like it can be more communal music, you know, because you can all celebrate, go to a show together, do whatever. A movie, you they do studies and I've seen studies where people sit in the dark in a theater and their brave their brainwaves all peak and valley and sink at the exact same time. I love that. So it's like a beautiful collective unconsciousness. For, Mm. For me, I think about a song can be heard by millions of people around the world. So for me, music is a wider net. But it's yeah. a very shallow net. Yeah. Where film uh is a much deeper, deeper net. And and it's it is harder, I think, to get a film in front of more eyes. But the eyes that it gets in front of has a much yeah. more a much more It's an inch wide and a mile deep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's where I was at, you know, and I was I was thinking I need to find a place to where I can really express, you know, the the power of cinema to me and storytelling and I'm uh, technically, I hate saying this sounds so like super pretentious, but I'm an expert in new queer cinema and um, art house cinema. That's what I studied and that's what I focused on. What's new queer cinema? New queer cinema is kind of rooted in um, celebrating queer identities uh, without it being just about who they're fucking. You know, like. Interesting. Typically in every movie where there's a gay person, they're like, ooh, look at that cutie. Right? It's all sexualized. Yes. Hypersexualized. in a way that is still really rooted in like kind of like a toxic sexuality, you know, and, and uh, stereotypes and very hyper stereotype, but it's an okay stereotype to hit because people 
only started accepting gay people as being like super dope and not like AIDS pariahs until like the nineties, you know? Yeah. Um, and so new queer cinema focused on queer directors, sharing their stories, doing all this stuff. Some of it. Yeah. You do embrace like relationships, but it's on like the same way that you would approach a man and woman relationship in a movie. And it's not hypersexualized. It's like a female on female role in a movie where mm-hmm. everyone like whoops and cheers when two chicks make out at a party, right. you know? Um, so it's that. And then it also just kind of has like a lot of like really kind of glitzy flair and like just really embraces like the whole queer identity. So is that big enough to be a genre? It is. It's, it's really? consi- well, so it's not necessarily a genre. I would say that it is an umbrella term that slightly encompasses multiple genres. So you can have a new queer. So it's, action. Them- it's thematic. Could, yeah, it's, it's a, a theme. theme. It's a theme. Because um, what you're saying is you could have a, a queer director who's film is just an know, action movie an action movie but yeah. it's it's would put in that category because of right the, the, how they identify it absolutely and then really? and what goes on within the context of the story and then art house cinema is just like making stuff on a really low budget mm-hmm. um really diy aesthetic uh kind of celebrating the art for being art more so than trying to make people escape into a film. Gotcha. So you, you watch it to be engaged the same way you go to a gallery to be engaged with art. Right. It's, it's less of a suspension of disbelief and more, you're more conscious that you're taking in that art. That you're watching something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's fasc- fascinating. You said that because when we first started Knoxburg radio, you know, we, you know, thanks to Ben, we, we now have a, a switcher. Yeah. That's what they call it. A yeah, it's a switcher. Some other things like that. But when we, the first episode we did, it was like a tripod and an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And I said, Cam, I wish I had more money. I wish I could get more equipment, you know, for you. And he was like, I will tell the best story I can with whatever equipment I have available. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like kind of what you're describing. That's 100% what that is. That art, was it Art House? Art House. Art House. Yeah. And so, so Knox Brew Stories is an art house venture. It is. It really (laughs) is. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the fact that we've made eight eight episodes stretched on a $300 like investment is super dope. Yeah. That's (laughs) Um, awesome. But we, uh, yeah. And so it kind of COVID hit and I was teaching from home and it just made me realize that I really hated my administration. I hated them more than anything. I hated the way that school was run. I, I cried for like a week after I got accepted to the position I have out here because I was going to miss my kids. I loved those kids. I really? grew with them. Yeah. I had them Your for students almost four straight years. I, yeah. I have heard what you just said 20 times. Yeah. I have friends who are teachers and friends who have been teachers and yeah. they hate the administration, but they love the, the kids know, that they teach. Yeah, mm-hmm. They love the kids. And, and I've got a friend who, uh, who I won't say who he, he is a retired teacher um, but he was like, if they would just get out of my way and let me teach these kids, yep. uh, you know, and, and it's a struggle. It's, yeah. It's tough. Yeah. I was having kids like be themselves and do whatever. And like, I had like a couple like dresses like on a, on a thing and we're at an all boys school. So of course some of the boys just like, didn't care, put on a dress, played a mom. Parents and admin freaked out sure. like that. I was just like doing some like the d- devil's work is actually what I, I got in an email that I was doing the devil's work really? and that made me really ha- kind of happy. I was like, all right, sick. If you want to see me do the devil's work, I'll do it. Yeah. sounds like you're already in the South. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're in California, bitches. You can do yeah, whatever exactly. you want. Throw a dress on a boy. You're in Los Angeles, California, yeah. right? Like you said was, it was Catholic, right? Not. Yeah. Okay. It's Catholic. Um, which the <laughs> Corey always would like reaffirm to me. She was like, 
she was like, okay, I know you're working at a Catholic school and you hate it. And it goes everything, everything against, she goes, but you're stealing Catholic money. <laughs> and she's like, and you're, you're winning. Yeah. And she's you're like, winning. Yeah, you're getting paid by the Catholics to fuck it up from the inside. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a really good point. Yeah. Well, they've, they've had a tough go the last 10 years or hey, so. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, would, I just like to say, it's like, at least I didn't get like fired for that. Sure. You know? <laughs> like well, I quit on my own. So did you grow up in LA? Uh, yeah, born and raised in Santa Clarita, California. I lived in LA for two years. I never met anybody who lived in who was from LA. <laughs> so, so, ever. so I was going to bring this up because part of you know the original vision for you having me on the show, so your guests would learn a little bit more about you. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of cool. And so, I actually yeah. was going to ask you to tell Cam a little bit about what brought you to LA and the experience that you had there, and. And, and kind of who how that's become a part of who you are today. Yeah, I moved there when, in uh, 2004. I was 19. I went to the University of Tennessee for a little bit, and then I moved out to L.A. to do the acting thing. Yeah. I studied acting at a place called the Acting Corps in North Hollywood. I, I, up, I know that place. Do you really? Yeah. Yes! Let's go! <laughs> I have a couple of friends that went there. Yeah. Yeah. Lancashire Boulevard. Yeah, right on Lancashire. Yeah. And uh, I, I did that for a minute, and then, uh, it you know, realized I needed to live. Make money while I was out there. Yeah, you couldn't just be a server forever. Just be a student. Yeah, yeah or a, or a server. Hell, I was working. I worked at Subway. Yeah, I mean that was the best I could do. I was yeah. nineteen. I worked at a Jamba Juice making movies. Yeah. It was hell on earth. Yeah, I couldn't get a job as a server in L.A. because all the servers were so good and <laughs> smart. And, 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 yeah, they're like, so what's your wine knowledge? I'm like, I'm nineteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have no. My parents drink it. You know, there's two different colors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it, yeah. This one tastes like grapes. Wait, yeah. there's more than two colors. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. There's two colors, and they all taste like hot, rotten grapes. There you go. <laughs> but uh, two years out there, lived in Marina del Rey, Eagle Rock, nice. Hollywood, and um. Yeah, a couple different places. That's a lot of places to live in two years. It is, and also like a lot of people don't really understand how huge Los Angeles County is. Yeah, and LA's LA massive. County's huge. And and then when you say LA, you don't even really just mean LA County. No. like you mean Orange, a little you know parts of Orange County parts of it, too, like the like the LBC and Long Beach over there. Yeah. People just kind of incorporate that. Yeah, all all the way, especially down the coast. Oh yeah. And all that, and like where you live, where did you live? Santa Clarita, so- which is like that's barely LA County, right? super far north yeah i think it ends at i think castaic which is like 10 miles north of me yeah um, and is that I, where knott's berry farm is no knott's berry farm is in isn't that in san bernardino is it yeah yeah it's way up to four um, or five yeah, I this guess. is the part of the podcast where i'm just gonna sit over here you know and that stupid like <laughs> there's a lake there though right? yeah castaic lake and it's like yeah, a man-made a clo- reservoir it is yeah. the closest lake it's the closest water to los angeles it's fresh water right I mean, it's a man-made lake, but yeah, it is fresh it's water. Fresh water, yeah. And the uh, Elsinore is the next one, which is way yeah, and south. Then, and then Piru also. But yeah, um, yeah Castic, fun fact about that place is uh, there's like every year di- divers go there and just kind of like explore and just swim because what else are you going to do? Yeah. If you're a diver that lives in Castic. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> they find like three bodies a year. Really? Of people. Diving? In, yeah, diving that are either like cement shoed in there, like mm. act like murders, or just like boating accidents. And so it's like, crazy. is this Jimmy Hoffa? Yeah, I think yeah. it's Jimmy Hoffa. It's a hundred percent Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like I'd, uh, I, uh, where what, what were we even talking about? You, I was, I was trying to get Ben to tell you about. Oh yeah, his time, why he was in L.A. Yeah, and, and then we just started talking about freshwater reservoirs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was there for a couple of years and then I moved back. Right, and. I loved it, and it still has a huge place in my heart. I yeah. still visit all the time, work there a little bit, and uh, it's like my second home. Yeah, 
And I, I'll say that, you know, moving to Knoxville, I'd, L.A., born and raised, lived in San Francisco for two years while I was in grad school, came out here in five days after I got hired by South College, got hired by South College. And they went, oh, can you get here in five days? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> sure. <laughs> and made arrangements, threw everything on a truck, threw my cats in a carrier, and we, Corey and I drove cross country. It's great. South and College is awesome, man. It's what I've, I've heard from a lot of people. I'm yeah. still paying them. <laughs> hey, it's oh, my new. wife went there. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, <laughs> to what, the PT what, school. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, so, so to, to, you brought you came back to Knoxville, yeah. And now you are still working in film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell Cam a little bit about what you do now. Okay, outside so, of the podcast. So when I was in LA I, and doing the working at Subway right. and doing acting classes at the uh, acting core mm-hmm. on Lancashire Boulevard, I <laughs> uh, started working at a production company called the Greif Company. Okay, which made like a and e biographies oh, okay. and he's we made reality tv shows we made this one called uh gene simmons family jewels it was oh do you remember yeah. that one i remember that show yeah. i do too we, i watched like two episodes of it yeah i shot the pilot of it oh uh, sick. While i was working for it was right at the end of when i was in la and um and i got the bug dude mm-hmm. i was like this is i mean this sucks like this is shitty programming for television this is reality yeah. tv and it was the heyday of reality tv it right. was the osbournes was you know just tailing out and had just blown up yeah. this whole world of mtv and bh on were king yes yeah reality tv in the early aughts was yeah. was the way to go it was a way to get a job anyway oh yeah G- gave me the bug a little bit so i came back and did film school okay um in south carolina and uh, went there for a couple years, Carolina Film Institute. And then uh, when I was done with that, um, it, it was very apparent that Knoxville had a ton of production work. And it might not have been movies. It might not have been even episodic television. Yeah. It was industry work. And I was trained to do it and knew yeah. how to do it. I, you know, I'd been working in it in L.A. for a few years and then and then going to school for it. So it was an easy kind of it was an easy way to slide in and be the smartest PA they've ever had because you you actually worked in the industry for a little bit. Right. And then the industry around me, uh, I just like looked around and watched it just grow. Jupiter entertainment, river entertainment, everything just kind of with river, Jupiter, lock and key pop fizz. And then discovery having a location here in Knoxville and HGTV. And then like, dude, it's, I think I think Discovery has really helped synergize everything with all the production companies here. Um, having having people over there at headquarters who can keep an eye on a production that's happening, you know, in town, yeah. is a big deal, yeah. and it's a hell of a lot cheaper than it is to do that in New York or Los Angeles yeah. or whatever. So, so yeah. the fact that they have resources to do it here, able bodies, people, you know, very very capable people yeah. locally yeah. to do it, it's just kind of proliferated because you know started very small, started with. You know, the Bagwells, D Haslam, you know, yeah. the, her, her company so, and all that. And then it's just kind of just rippled out from there because we've had this thing that's kept pushing, which was HGTV scripts, got bought by Discovery, just kept pushing and kept growing the market and the marketplace, the freelance market, the production company market. Everything is, has so just kept going. I, I'm not in the industry, the film industry. I, you know have been lucky to be involved in a few things. Mm. And I'm asking you this genuinely because I don't know. Is Knoxville sort of a hidden gem of video production? 
I, th- I think we- it's a hidden gem of capability. I mean, I, th- I think that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, there's there's a disproportionate amount of capable individuals here that can do the work. So you're saying we we have more talent than our city size? Yeah, oh, compared to without like, question. So if you took if you lined up twenty Knoxville's, mm. you know, equivalents of Knoxville's number one every time it, when it comes to film production. Yeah. No- Knoxville punches with like, um, um, I you know, it's hard to say because everything else is is you know new york la chicago atlanta mm-hmm. and then what, what tier I'm, two is knox knoxville's in tier two with the houston's of the world so you know like, what i mean you were, we're in the top three of the tier two I, I i would say we're number one in tier two you think so yeah just because of how much i've seen it even since i've been here in september yeah explode um so, and, and wasn't there recently a press release about a new production company that's coming mm-hmm. to knoxville that's buying like a huge warehouse or something yeah. related to discovery. Yeah. Yeah. They're making a soundstage. So yeah. Bob Baskerville, who was uh, an executive at DIY and HGTV for a long time partnered. I think I could be getting this wrong, but partnered with some folks at river, maybe okay. even the Haslam family, not a hundred percent sure okay. on that and have kind of set out to make this kind of big production campus. I love it. That's that's what I got from the story. Because yeah, Atlanta Atlanta has been a hotbed for yeah, film. For they got the, the tax incentives. So Georgia passed a bunch of tax incentives uh, that you know you got thirty or forty percent of your money back for bringing a production there. Yeah. Tyler Perry opened as long a as you like there. brought in enough jobs from locals. Yeah, was like the thing. Yeah, so I mean it's like, hotel money, so hotel taxes help pay for right. it. And and you know you're bringing crews in from elsewhere. You're hiring local people. So they're they're giving you crazy tax incentives to to do stuff there. Like I said, yeah. Tyler Perry uh, built a campus there in Lakewood that is just you know a half a million square Marvel. feet. Marvel, yeah, Marvel filmed there. a lot of all stuff. of it. Yeah. All of it is shot. Walking it's, Dead was Walking was, Dead too. Was there, there's a, you know there's so much stuff that's that's been done in Atlanta all because of tax incentives. Exactly, Mike, and all because of um, it's more. It's it, it's more uh, they're going to make bigger profits doing it in Atlanta than they are in L.A. Totally. And, they, and now the production mar- uh, marketplace, as far as talent is concerned, has built up around it. So now it has the infrastructure to to accept it and take it. It's like when everyone was going to Canada to shoot everything. Yeah, everybody but now was everyone's going... incentivized to shoot back in the States. Yeah. yeah Vancouver was huge massive. for a long time. Massive. Yeah. I don't know if I was talking to you about this or somebody. I. I it's blurry and mm-hmm. I drink beer. So that happens a yeah, lot. Me too. Somebody was recently telling me that we're going to start seeing an insurgence of film in East Tennessee because apparently there are three, there's a County grant and a city grant and a state grant mm. that are all in, like in Knoxville that you can get funding for. If you film in Knoxville, I, the one I, I saw was a state thing. And Sam sent me the article for that a little while back. And it was a very, very good, uh, good deal for production companies. And it was, and it was a broad net too. It wasn't just like bring your production here. It was like, if you buy a microphone and you're a production company, you know, you get yeah. 30% of your money back on that, that production supply. Like it was a really big deal. And, and, and I, I saw that, uh, come in as far as being reported as, as proposed legislation. I haven't seen anything official pass. Yeah. Pass, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, and, and I feel like we would, yeah, we'd be some of the first ones to know if yeah. it affected our right. accountants would tell us, yeah. you know, yeah. If, it yeah. Was, yeah. if something like that was happening. So I saw it proposed. I don't know if, if anything's ever happened. And that was probably six or eight weeks ago. I'd love to see it. 
Um, I, I think that we have, you know, it, it's tough because Pop Fizz, our company is in a spot where, you know, our, our resources to make stuff are the people that we have within our company. Right. We have, your resources we have are your people. Exactly. We have directors, we have producers, um, we have editors, we have sound people. And then we also have the freelance market to pull pull from, right. which are extensions of our team, which are people that we work with all the time that are just as much family as the people that 100%. I you know, sit next to every day at work. So if a movie comes to town and takes the freelance resources that we have to work on their movie, all of a sudden our production company is somewhat siloed and somewhat oh, isolated. Fascinating. Yeah. And so a company like ours is not necessarily incentivized to want something like that. It's going to take happen. our talent pool. It's going to take our talent pool because we rely on it. Right. But as like kind of an altruistic endeavor, like I think it's great. I, yeah. think, I think a rising tide, bring it all up, baby. Let's, yeah. let's do right. it. it. It's just going to bring more people well, here. You might, you might raise your talent pool too. It, more people might exactly. move to Knoxville to, to do that. Yeah. I mean, it, exactly. and you've run the gamut too. You, you were the, you paid your dues as a PA, right? Mm, as yeah, we all have. A, a Sorry, few years. For anyone listening and myself included, what's a PA? A uh, production assistant. Okay. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah, do do it all. Yeah, everything, everything, everything yeah. and then you get treated like shit the whole time. Yeah, we go get my laundry. Actually, that that's the wrong color coffee. Well, you told me to go get my laundry. Yeah, Your laundry. <laughs> that is beyond <laughs> stupid accurate. <though. laughs> yeah, you're okay, like so. Yeah, I I know that that Ben, this is your podcast. I have to ask one more question. Keep it up, man. Is it's that your okay? Pod, it's your podcast. So this is a question for both of you. Okay. Um, and then full confession. I need to uh. To empty my bladder and then refill my bladder. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Do it. Okay. Okay. Posting ghost, baby. Yeah, posting ghost. I'm not going to ask the question and then leave. Oh, I think you should. No, I'll wait till you, I want to hear the answer. I guess I could just listen to it later. Um, I'm going to ask, is there any part of you that misses acting? And then my question to you, Cam, is have you ever... What is your acting experience? Have you ever gotten into acting? So, so Ben, I will start with you. Yeah, well, me first. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> it's your show. You I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I kind of do sometimes. This kind of fulfills it for me. Like being seen yeah. is kind of cool. Like being able to talk to people. And, and performing. Kind of feeling like you're performing. And, and I'm not. I'm not, though. Like this is not me performing for you guys. It's not me performing for the guests. Right. It's just, you know, uh, me getting in front of me being uncomfortable. Me being in front yeah. of people that I that I don't know who's watching, Pushing don't know who's listening, your, and, yeah. yeah, and I don't. That's know. what it is: is feeling that level of uncomfortability. It's, it's giving, that, yes, it's giving, and not knowing what the what the, what the reaction's going to be. Yes, one hundred percent is what that is. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I I've done a ton of acting. I yeah. love acting. Um, yeah. I love being in front of camera. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm an attention whore by all means. <laughs> I, like I, love it. It. I love it. Uh, oh, you came to the right place. Yeah. yeah <laughs> hell yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I will. Yeah. I, I think in my final year, um, before I graduated, I, I did, uh, voice acting for my thesis film. Um, just so I could put my voice in it. Uh, I did the voice of like the little robot that was like the doomsday robot. I made a science fiction movie. Um, gotcha. And See, we're gonna have to rewind all this and like get to well, like I, I gotta yeah. get to your whole story okay, because you're yeah. talking about it. We should totally you do, do your that. thing. I'm gonna ask gonna say, him. Sh- I'm gonna ask him. Yeah. I'm gonna start the beginning. Like I'm gonna you, get Cam's story. You guys you're... are the film guys. Yeah, yeah. I'm the beer guy. Yeah. So I'm gonna go use the restroom and then and I'm get gonna us get, all a couple get beers. Everybody around the beer. Cool. 
Uh, Bog keep another round, please. <laughs> I love uh, it. And I'm just going to pee pee in this can. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, but so yeah. Cam, we talked, uh, I already asked you, you're from LA. So yes. I got that much. You grew up there. Yes. In Santa Clarita. I grew up in Santa Clarita. So you um, live there the whole time. Yeah. So I was, okay. I was born in Palmdale. So like in the desert. Oh, yeah. So I used to go to, um, uh, the Angeles national forest up yeah. on the two and you'd stand up at, on the ridge and you could see Everything. East Palmdale. Yeah. You could see it all. Yeah. So is, was, is that LA County too? That's LA County. Is it really? So I was born in Palmdale, um, moved there, moved to the house. My parents still live in when I was three and a half. Um, cause my mom was pregnant with my sister gotcha. and we needed a bigger place. We yeah. like lived in a trailer. Um, did you really? Yeah. You were poor in, uh, in LA beyond poor. Really? My family is like stupid poor until recently which is the coolest fucking story okay we gotta ever. get there yeah we gotta yeah. get there uh my mom is a superhero yeah um yeah so you grew up poor in la nobody does that no we grew up super poor in la i remember nights where like we would have beans for dinner really and watch my dad not eat them that's so like you guys could have some so my sister and i could eat yeah and I was old enough to like recognize that that was what's happening. And I'd always try and give my dad half of my plate. And he was like, no, you're good. I ate before dinner. You know, I'm not hungry. And my dad was like a union iron worker. He built like the bones of the steel, like of LA skyscrapers. Hmm. Like that's what he did. He built the Getty center. Like really? Yeah. He did all that stuff. He was just like a, he was a stud um, and would come home and not eat. Just really? so we could feed our kids. So yeah. mom, mom wasn't working at the time. Mom was just a receptionist and dad was a union steel worker, a union iron worker or union iron yeah, worker. Yeah. And they weren't paying, they weren't paying enough for a guy to support his family he paid enough for two people that had massive credit card debt. And gotcha. um, so there were some of that, no there. college degrees and just struggling from the ground. Are up. they from LA too? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Born and raised. Hell dude. Yeah. Where do you know where uh, they came from? My mom is from San Fernando Valley. Okay. And my dad is from Santa Clarita. No way. Yeah. Like okay. old timer. Like he's from like Canyon country, like the little division of that. But he remembers everywhere where our house was, was just onion fields and like bobcats and really? farmers. Yeah. And your um, mom is from San Fernando Valley. Yeah. My mom which is, is from so hot. The Valley. Yeah. My mom is from the Valley. Yeah. That, that the, the Valley girls are from my like mom. Doesn't East, say- East Valley. Uh, n- what n- is it now? It's still. Like, like it's just still you, called the Valley. Well, the, yeah, but do you know what like city like North Ridge esque? Okay, like that area, like maybe even like uh, uh, so inland yeah. a little ways. Yeah, inland a bit, like um, just like a little bit south of the four hundred five from us. Yeah. Um, so and, you guys are growing up, and your dad's sharing beans with you because yeah, but because that's all all they could afford. We were trying awesome. really hard and feeding my sister, you know, and um, what a boss. Then when I'm. You know, my mom starts working her way up. She becomes the office manager of her place at Southern California Orthopedic Institute. Okay. Doctor's office. Yeah. And all the the doctors that perform surgeries on like Kobe Bryant and Steph Curry. And uh, yeah. And I'm not allowed to say this, but yeah. Peyton Manning's neck surgery. Yeah. You know, um, it's a big orthopedic. My mom met him, which is insane. (laughs) Um, He's a, I mean, obviously he's a local God, but he's also just a sports God. Um, and he, uh, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, cheers. Um, he, so my, my dad, I'm in junior high, and I remember coming home, and my dad's laying on the bed, and he was a statue of a man, you know, like never laid down middle of the day. And my mom was I there. I bet he was jacked being an uh, iron worker. He, <laughs> 
I got another story about that. Um, but one of my friends in high school was like this guy that like was in JV football. Right. Yeah. And um, the story I was going to get at, uh, this is going to be a two layer thing. You want a beer? There oh, you go. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Sam. I messed up. <laughs> yeah. Sam's so good. He's quite, he's so quiet over there. He is Uh two layered thing. So my dad ends up um, blowing out five discs in his lower spine. Working, um, working. Yeah. What, what had happened was he was the journeyman on the job, the foreman and the lift was broken and they were bringing up a 400 pound, um, I beam up a small flight of stairs, but the guy in front slipped and my dad caught the brunt of all of it and just pop, 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 all down his back. Um, since my dad has had four spinal fusion surgeries, my dad's handicapped. Really? Uh, yeah. Seeing a wheelchair. No, he can walk. Thank God. But he's handicapped. He can't sit for longer than 20 and he can't stand for longer than 20. All because of this one injury, this one injury. Damn. Um, after that, my mom fucks and fucking just like drops gears, really? you know? So and kids are grown up at this point. Sort of. I'm in junior high and your sister's oh, in elementary school. school, elementary school. And yeah. mom says, dad's, dad's, dad's broken. broken. Yeah. Dad's broken. And dad just, he kind of can't move. Can't do anything anymore. We all step it up. Like as like a kid level, like mm-hmm. we do more chores. We do just you and your sister. Whatever. Yeah. My sister and I, Yeah, and I start to learn how to cook and do all this kind of stuff. So I'm making deals while my mom's at, making uh, dinners while my mom's at work doing all that kind of stuff. Um, and like my mom just kind of, she becomes the office manager. And then she gets promoted to like pr- promoted to like um, I want to say HQ. It's not a headquarters. What's it called when it's like your main office corporate. building? Corporate corporate office. Yeah, <laughs> um, I like HQ better. Yeah, mom starts working at HQ. <laughs> um, James Bond movie. All yeah, of a yeah. Uh, gets promoted eventually. Now this is over the course of like multiple years. This is like right where we're at. Right. Uh, she gets promoted to VP of operations of her company. No way. Yeah. So she's actually doing doing great. Now, Great. after being phenomenally somewhat struggling in yeah. L.A. for a long time. Yeah. And my dad and her still managed to bust their ass and like parent us and do all that with their afflictions. Mm. And I become the first college graduate in my entire family. Huge, huge pride there. Huge pride. But I picked art, you know, and so like, <laughs> Damn it. yeah, so everyone, everyone we else is so like, close. Everyone else is like, what's your backup plan? And I was like, there is none, hmm. you know, and um. Then my mom, after seeing me, got all proud of me graduating, went back to school, got her bachelor's oh, degree. man. And then my sister graduated with her bachelor's. And my mom went, you know what? My son has a master's degree. My daughter has a bachelor's degree. My daughter's going back to school to be a nurse. You know, I'm going to do it. My mom got her master's degree in a year and a half. Wow. <laughs> and now she's and looking. she's in her 50s or 60s? Early 50s. Early 50s. Yeah, she's a powerhouse. Like my Jeez. mom had me at 21 and I'm 31. So my mom's, what, 52? So, um. <laughs> What a badass. No, she's awesome. She's Killing so cool. It. Just got a master's. Yeah. Freshly minted. Ju- just got it. Like, and I'm not kidding. Like a year ago. 15 more years in the workforce oh, to yeah. just crush it. Oh, yeah. She's been interviewing all over the United States for CEO positions. No, yeah, uh, that's it, awesome. Tell her to move to Knoxville. I've been trying so hard, dude. <laughs> and she was like, I think it's time for me to write my own chapter. I was like, why are you being so fucking dramatic? <laughs> like, you know, I was like, you lived in LA too long. You're trying yeah. to write a movie yeah. here. Yeah, I was like, oh, you're talking to the screenwriter. Where's your sister? Uh, my sister is, uh, she lives in Echo Park. Uh, okay. with her fiance she's actually getting married pretty soon um i showed zach oh, yeah. the wedding dress yeah, she picked. Yeah. The, beautiful beautiful uh yeah. echo park's cool echo park's cool yeah um i lived in eagle rock which wasn't too far it's from right there. Now, that's where my sister met her fiance in was eagle in eagle rock, rock. Yeah. um at oh god i don't know some kind of 
they both were at like Silver Lake Ramen at the same time. Ah, yeah, Silver Lake and Los Feliz were the closest yeah, places like, to kind of yeah. hang out. Or Pasadena, you know. Oh, Pasadena Eagle Rock is, is not far from from old Pasadena. Too. Yeah, yeah, Pasadena is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you just have no idea. You're just like, no, I'm, just, I'm just looking at both of you guys and smiling because you're yeah. pretty. Like oh, both. thanks. Um, Big North, Northeast LA guys, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, I know my lane. I'm the beer guy and I'm sticking to it. If you guys get dry, let me know. I'll feel yeah. refill you. Uh, thank you. Um, but yeah, so. So Sisters in Echo Out Park. there, she's a nurse and she became oh, a nurse cool. during the pandemic. Um, and she's always. Frontline worker. Yes. And she's, and her husband is a, um, a PA, not our kind of PA, but, physician's like the, but the physician's assistant, like your gotcha. wife PA. Yeah. No, she's a physical therapist oh you said pt school i thought you said pa school school. and then there's there's pta which is a physical therapist assistant yeah parent teacher association and and also (laughs) also the thing i'll never be a part of yeah yes and also yeah i will never do that i don't want to put that on any teacher ever if i ever have a kid i'm gonna refuse i'm gonna be like no i went through that shit it's never happening again so where'd you go to college i went to i got my bachelor's degree in cinema and television arts with an emphasis in screenwriting Mm. at cal state northridge oh nice yeah do you move there? Do you stay in? Santa no, I, I commuted. Uh, yeah. it, How it, far was the drive? Twenty minutes. Oh, that's not well, bad. Well, twenty miles, uh, which, as you know, yeah, could, could be either be hours. twenty minutes or six hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and then I went to grad school at San Francisco Art Institute, which is actually the oldest film school on the West Coast. Really? Uh, it was established in eighteen seventy one. Which part of San Francisco is it in? It's in um, it's in North Beach. Okay. And uh. It is like, you know, we're like that stupid crooked street that everyone goes to on Lombard. Yeah. What's so it's it called at Lombard street. Yeah. And then it's there on chestnut, which is like right above it. So okay. it's like you, you get a perfect view of Alcatraz and both the Bay and Golden Gate bridges. Awesome. Um, beautiful campus. Um, and it was like, the, I remember I, I had made my movie uh, to get in cause I didn't have to write an essay or anything. Um, it was just like, make a movie. That's a self portrait. Five minutes. Were you at Cal state when you made it? Uh, no, I took a, a gap year. Um, Gap year and made a movie. Yeah, I made a movie and I made a little five minute. That's as LA as it short. gets right there. <laughs> I took a gap year and made a movie. <laughs> you know? Wait, is that, what did you call it? A gap year? A gap year. A gap year is like the the fancy, like elitist way to say that you are not doing anything yeah, for I a full year. I smoked weed for an entire year yeah. instead of going to school. <laughs> yeah. And then I went to school and smoked weed for all of those years. <laughs> I've never heard that term gap year. Never heard year. gap year? Gap year. No. It's hot right now, man. Yeah, man. You People take, are doing it after high school. Yeah. You take a gap I mean, year to go yeah. backpacking in Europe to I've get always, some culture. Yeah. I've same always, Barcelona. In Barcelona. Barcelona. <laughs> I've always heard it's a i'm gonna take a year off and just like discover myself yeah it's a, it's a gap year it's now. a gap year it's the same okay. thing okay exact okay. same year yeah. um I'm, I'm pro gap we year. just, na- just I, yeah clear. me too my gap year was completely important to my yeah. development it was integral dude i'm still in my gap year <laughs> yeah i was gonna yeah. say you guys are saying gap year uh, yeah. is gap years possible? Yeah. 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 You might still be in it. Yeah. yeah. Mine were gap years until I became a professor. And then I was just like, Oh man, I really want to, this is going to be confusing for anyone who's else. worked in retail at, at a gap store. Oh yeah. They're like, no, yeah. these are all my years. Yeah. My gap year. Yeah. Uh, my youth. After my Abercrombie year, <laughs> my youth and baby my, gap before my Hollister year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, was that Bonnie? Is yeah. that your dog? Yeah. yeah. Let's let her in. Yeah. Let's let her, let's in. See, let's let her in. I heard a. Ooh. Yeah, it was a nice little howl there. Bonnie? Bonnie? Bonnie, is that you? Oh, that's all right. Bonnie, come here. <laughs> that's amazing. This, this is really great. Dog. I like hey, that we baby. have a we have another guest. We have a podcast dog. Um, hey, Bonnie. 
Oh, she, yeah, when I went when I went to the bathroom break, uh, I was only peeing for like twenty percent of the time I was gone. The other sixty percent was petting Bonnie, and the other twenty percent was getting y'all beers. So. Oh, good, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, at least Bonnie she, gets some love. Out I don't of. think she's been here for a podcast yet, so it's hey, good Bonnie. she's in the room. She apparently wanted to come in. Oh, she's yeah. yeah. On me. So after uh, after San Francisco, what was the name of the school? San Francisco, San Francisco Art, Art Institute. Art Institute. Yeah. SFIA. Yeah. AI. AI. <laughs> is that when you started teaching? Um, sort of. After I graduated there, I went back home, lived with my parents for a year. Okay. Um, and because it's impossible to save money to get your own place in San Francisco, you just can't do it. Yeah. Um, I accumulated so much debt instead. But um, lived with my parents for a year, and my first teaching job ever actually was I taught adult school at like a weird little annex of the. Uh, the school district that I was a part of my entire life growing up really back home. So you're yeah, back home and back then home. You're, you're teaching night school. Yes. I'm teaching night school and I'm teaching screenwriting, uh, pastels and watercolor. Art, um, so arts classes arts to like your parents, old friends. Yes. Did you see some of your parents, old friends? Yes. In there? Did you? Yes. <laughs> and, and I also worked at like this place, you know, like those like paint and sip wine places yeah, yeah, that like yeah. drunk yeah, moms go to. Twist, yeah. yeah. So painting with a twist, there's one called Pino's palette that I worked with and I worked with them immediately after grad school i walked in i was like i'm an artist and like i like talking to people can i work here and she was like yeah and then she was like what was your major and i was like don't worry about it (laughs) and i taught myself how to paint those like paint by numbers things um all of my students were pino's palette moms that came in yeah um and they were like oh now you can actually teach me without it like without us being drunk and i was like no i don't know what i'm doing it's a lot easier when you're drunk. when you're drunk it's yeah. so much better because i can just be like oh no you're messed up yeah no it looks beautiful and then you just accept it now i have to fix it for you for real <laughs> <laughs> so that was for the public school district. It. yeah it was for the public school district okay um and it was just kind of like a you get paid based on enrollment Really? Yeah. And so, so did you go out and recruit for your classes? Kind of. Like it almost I pitched sounds it on like a sales job a little it, bit. It's very similar to a sales job. Uh, I had my brochure that was like, these are the available classes that I'm teaching. You know, and I only ended up teaching three sections out of the six we offered because that's who so- signed up. Yeah. Um, I kind of half like that and half hate it. I hate all of it. Really? Um, I feel like that your instructor, your teacher should just get paid and um, anything extra could go to the district or whatever. You already get state funding for that shit. You don't need... For adult school, you don't need people that are trying really hard to be instructors, you know, which you already don't get treated well anyway, financially in any state. Um, I hear that. Yeah. And I support that. And I love that. Yeah. I think for me, it's probably not what's best for teachers, but there's that little, little bit of entrepreneurship mm. that. Which is going to tickle your fancy. Which tickles yeah. my fancy. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want any teacher to be clear to be to struggle to yeah. find students to teach. Yeah. But I I do like the idea that if if a teacher wanted to put themselves out there to to have more students and it, I would hope it would benefit them more. Right. Yeah, it's it's capitalistic but it's also somewhat idealistic too. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. I, they they they, they sh- there should be a guarantee bills paid, right. needs met. Yeah, I don't think a teacher should have to worry about finding their own students in a public school setting. But if they want to, you know, 
soar above that. Yeah, then they should yeah. also if they would have doubled the their class size and get a little bonus. Yeah, if you come on now, if you incentivize that, right? Then <laughs> I'm not only going to be focusing on my my lecture, my school prep, working with students, trying to do all this stuff. I'm also going to work on promoting myself. Yeah, um, or I'm not because I only want to teach twenty. Yeah. You know. Um, well, yeah. what, so how did that parlay itself into more teaching stuff? For I you? just decided on a whim to apply. There was a, uh, film, uh, film teacher, high school film teacher opening. And I had interviewed at the a, public, at the, uh, the Catholic, Catholic school, the private all boys Catholic school. <laughs> and, and I walk yeah, in only a private school would have a film teacher. No, not in California. Well, let me start over. In Tennessee, I don't think there's a single <laughs> okay, okay. public school film teacher. Okay, I in, could be wrong. In California, every public school has a film studies class. I took film studies for the first time I, in my life blew, in ninth grade. It blew my mind when I found out that high schools in the north have swimming pools. Like, we don't have swimming pools at, at high schools in the south. Really? Yeah. And my high school didn't. Yeah, I don't. I can't think of a single high school in Knox County. All of my friends pool. were on like swim team. Like that's so. No, you, no, we have swim teams. Mm-hmm. Do you swim in a lake? They just no. They swim at, at the a, college. At a co- at the college. Right Weird. Up. You didn't have your own mm-hmm. pool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. But but if you're if you're but a high also school, your guys' football fields are probably immaculate. Oh yeah, right? yeah, they're, they're massive. Yeah. Friday yeah, night yeah. lights, baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're in L.A., I mean, films or uh, high school film classes are I'm sure huge. You, you got to do it. Everyone's I mean, everyone knows someone. You yeah. know, in the industry, and and um, and probably every single high school has had a big director, big actor, big somebody. One hundred percent came out of that high there. school. One hundred percent. The guy yeah. that wrote, uh, um, my cousin Vinny went is an alum of my undergrad program. Um, and that movie's amazing. Uh, yeah. I rewatched that the other day, and I was like, "Holy shit, this movie's yeah. fucking incredible!" It's a really good movie. Yeah, it's really good. Marissa <laughs> Tomei's insane in it. She um, is she, uh, Oscar nominated for that one. Oscar think. winning Oscar winning. Yeah. Oh, Which is insane. Yeah. Insane. Deserved it. Yeah. Um, but I ended up just applying to this place. Um, I had interviewed at a couple other schools. One was like another, uh, another Catholic school down the street. And they were, they looked at me and they were like, so would you also want to be our quarterbacks coach? <laughs> and did, I went. Did you have any experience with quarterback? I never played high school football. Okay. I could just throw a ball accurate and far. Like okay. I've always been able That's, to do that. They were like, "Well, he looks like he's got a penis." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <we laughs> quarterback. Let's coach. do this, quarterbacks coach. And I was like, "I'm not going to be able to tell that kid anything about footwork. I'm just going to be like, I don't know. Watch me do it. Like that's all I can do. I'm not a coach. I'm not a coach. Uh, like small, small sidebar here. Yeah. When you applied to this Catholic high school. Mm-hmm. At any point during that interview, during that process, did they ask you about your spiritual beliefs? Yes, I got asked point blank while standing in the room that I would be teaching in for the next four years with a crucifix on each wall. The four in there. And then in my office, there was a picture of Jesus holding a lamb and then another crucifix. And they asked you about your religious beliefs. And me, yeah. And so that's like a lot of pressure right out of the gate, right? You see all that. And you're like, okay, and me, who I'm not religious at all, um, my my assistant principal at the time, he is an ex-bodybuilder, an ex-professional wrestler who has a doctorate in English. So not only is he physically imposing, he's also intellectually imposing. Mm-hmm. And he's standing there and he goes, so where are you on your faith journey? Yeah. And I gave like a job interview answer. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, I was raised Christian, you know, I was like, decided it didn't work for me. I was like, but I've never stopped loving people. And I think that's the root of Christianity is love people. 
And he was like, okay, okay. And then I got called the next day, got hired. Really? Fascinating. So, yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Because you would think if you gave a non-committal answer like that at a Catholic school, right, you wouldn't get hired. No. And that, that was my biggest fear. I was like, I'm killing this interview. Yeah. I was like, I'm slaughtering this. They were asking me what I want to teach, what I want to do with the boys, what, how do I want to inspire them? All these amazing things. And then I get that question, which I also think too, there's a lot of anti-discrimination laws in California. Yeah. They, they can't not hire you for that, for that question. Right. Right. But they, but they can now as of last year. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That was a thing. The Supreme court passed. Yeah. Did, did, um, did sexuality or your, thoughts or beliefs on sexuality ever come up in that interview not in the interview but after i was there because (laughs) this is a great this is a great thing that happened there i also accepted uh directing the play every year the high school play Mm. um and when i got there i i inherited a play from the guy that got fired um the guy got fired for one they didn't research his background but he started in porn Mm. um and then started teaching high school boys and had like weird figurines all over his office and stuff that said really? like free hugs and kisses. And his wife's like a porn star. All I this feel like they should have seen that comment. Yes. Yes. Or when he's like, when he's like, on this one, yeah. Where he's like, oh, my mentor is Zolomon King. All I have to do is Google Zolomon King. And he's like the porn star king of Encino, which is like where we worked, you know? <laughs> And so, but also, I mean, like, there's some industry, you know, knowledge there from yeah, the man. I mean, you still can be a filmmaker, right? Yeah. Like, you still can. He but knows how to make things look bigger on camera. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Which is I'm so <laughs> envious of. Um, but it, he was there. He ended up getting fired. He had an inappropriate relationship with a student and his wife, you know, and it just didn't. Ugh. It didn't work out. Um, the the student wasn't underage. It was just you can't do that as a teacher. You're not allowed um, because it's messed up you're in a position of power um and so i got hired um big shoes to fill (laughs) yeah yeah he shot them to look significantly larger (laughs) um and i start working there and i'm directing the play and he picked this play it's called lost in yonkers by neil simon um and i i've never directed a play before i've never done any live like stage production um and so i build this set by myself do all this stuff I have the cast going. Um, we were able to pull from our sister school to get uh, females. One, one is the only one that wanted to show up because they all hated the previous yeah, I director. Was, I was wondering how did you shoot? How did you do any kind of play with all right males? So this is what happened. That girl dropped out one week before curtain. Whoa. And there was only one other person in that room that knew all the lines. You Steve Holt. <laughs> me oh no and so i played grandma kernitz in my school's production of uh lost in yonkers and i had to perform as a grandma with a very thick german accent and did you wear a dress and the whole thing yes and was there any was there any backlash for that yes yeah i was gonna say i mean uh, they could uh, from an outsider looking in it's like oh the theater teacher is now dressed like a woman Playing with all his boys. Right. And I, all the costumes I had already bought were for this kind of slight statured girl. Mm -hmm. And I was a little tight on you. So you had to squeeze in. I'm 6'3", 200 pounds. I weigh 230 now that I eat biscuits and stuff now. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you've been introduced to gravy. Yes. So, so all the, the, the faculty's like, he planned this whole thing. Right. And so they're just wanting to get in this. 
getting this dress. They're super skeptical, right? And yeah. Because- On the heels of having a former person in your same position, that probably didn't help. They've been oh burned my before. Gosh, Cam. Yeah. So this is real life. I'm passing this picture around right now. Um, I can even send it to you if you guys can upload it to the yeah. video or whatever. If you edit it. Um, oh but my I'm, gosh. I'm jacked grandma. <laughs> right. Um, and I, I have to come out and perform. I had three costume changes. <laughs> <laughs> all three of which. Sam, can I show it to the middle camera? Yeah, do it. And I've got all three, all of my tattoos showing, which was like, I wasn't allowed to show yeah. while I was working. Your tattoos are showing because a grandma wears a crop top. Yeah. Well, you know, tank <laughs> top. It was like, a, it was like a scrotum crop top. Like <laughs> I showed just enough. Um, and I had a few, uh, a few was, other costumes in there. I feel and like stuff. the Pope heard about this one. I w- I hope he did because <laughs> luckily right now we have the cool Pope, you know, like if it was the Pope beforehand, he wouldn't have been down. But like this Pope probably wears like Chucks underneath his Pope dress. <laughs> um, I don't know what it's called. I worked at Catholic school for four years. I don't know what any of it's called still. Um, but yeah, so I got a lot of backlash. The president ended up coming up to me and he was like, he's like, Hey, you know, this is a Catholic school and I know it's okay. And you do all this stuff and you have your own personal beliefs and everything. And I was just like, listen, it, it's clothing. And I was like, and if we want to talk about plays, I was like the Shakespearean era, men played women all the time. So, so you were there for four years. Was it the beginning of your four years, the end or the middle of your first four? year? First year. Okay. My so you hung year. around for three more years after dressing like a woman and going on stage. Yeah. Because they couldn't they were like, legally. Well, at least he's not a porn star. And they couldn't. Yes. Yes. And the students didn't find it. Right. Like the students Googled me, they found like weird art house cinema, you yeah. know, like that's what they found. Yeah. Um, and legally they couldn't fire me yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I technically hadn't done anything wrong. That's I didn't break my handbook. You know, it doesn't that's, say like men can't wear a dress in a play. You as, know? as a as a Tennessean, that's foreign to me, and I'm not. Yeah, that's not a pro or a con statement. No, it's just different. In in the state of Tennessee, it's a right to fire state. You can fire anyone for any reason, and and so that's that's interesting to hear. Did did at any point in time during your time as a teacher at this Catholic school, did any of your students ever ask you about your beliefs or yes. And, and what was that? What was that like? And so, yeah, that was actually really special um, to me because when I was in high school, even in Southern California, I was afraid to come out. I was terrified. Um, even though I still like girls too, you know, like I'm bisexual. And a lot of people just think of that either like you're 50, 50, right. Or if you like boys and girls, you're secretly gay. You know, and there's like this whole thing, especially in like a really toxic, like super macho, like high school community where everything's like black and white. There's no gray areas in high school. Um, I stood there as someone that my students could come to and I had plenty of students come out to me. Really? And yeah. And they didn't even know I was queer at that time. Mm. They just knew that I was accepting they could feel that and i think like teenagers know that you can feel if there's an adult that you can actually trust and talk to wow. and then you can also feel if there's a teacher that you can't tell everything to did right. you become the confidant for for all the students for a lot yeah did, did it did the did the word get out that you were the guy to talk to if you had some some of these feelings yeah and i told him all the time i was like you know what you guys i was like we're I'm teaching you art. And I was like, an art is all about expressing your feelings. I was like, so whatever it is, this is a, this is like the hippy dippy, like snowflake shit, but this is a safe place to share it. Mm. And I was like, we can all disagree about it. I was like, but you have to be respectful in here. Oh man, I love that. Yeah. And then I always did that. And I was like, I'm going to disagree with a lot of you. 
I mean, it felt it feels like the theater teacher is the way to go on that, you know? <laughs> yeah. it was, right? It's, it doesn't fit if it's the math, the algebra yeah, teacher. Exactly. No, it's no. gotta be. It's gotta be the guy that's like into the arts and is like willing to put on a dress. And like that moment, a lot of my the students show must said, go on. That was the hundred percent process, and right? it still is. And a hundred percent of my students said, the moment you put on that dress, solidified for us that you care about us in the show. Because I told him, I was like, I don't care. If if that kid backed out, I was like, you guys worked hard. I want you to perform for your friends and family. I was like, this isn't going to be about me. I was like, yeah, people are going to laugh their asses off when I like come out. And like, I'm going to look so good in this dress. Yeah. Oh, man. I was I was flexing the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, I don't want to look chunky. Like, I was like, I'm here. Um, but I remember walking out and seeing like the president of the school with mm-hmm. his wife. And I make eye contact with them as soon as I come out. And I'm just like wearing like a nighty. So they didn't know. Until it happened. They knew I was playing the grandma, but they didn't know to what extent. They didn't know it was going to be that hot. Was there a collective gasp? (laughs) There was outrageous laughter. Really? Like for the longest amount of time, which was great. Like people just, they're like, and and I would introduce the show and I'd be like, hi, what's up? I'm like, I'm Mr. Molitor. A lot of you guys can call me Cam, you know? And um, I was like, you're going to see, uh, I was like, <laughs> due to some unforeseen circumstances, I'm going to be playing the grandma tonight. All right, here we go. And then I'd go backstage and like put on my stuff real quick and then start the show. And so I also had to direct the damn show while, while, wearing, a dress. while wearing a dress and performing. Um, and I, my, my partner at the time, um, she had said that she was like, there's no other teacher that could have fucking done that. Yeah. She was like, you're the only one that would be like, Cool. I don't care. I'll take the laps. I'll do whatever. And then jump backstage and like coach kids up well, and be like, yeah, and it was probably an, a love for your students and a little bit of the love for theater and for telling the story Yeah, for was, telling a story. Yeah. Yeah. We worked so hard. We worked since from October and our show date was in May, you know, Wow. and, and the, the boys put their heart and souls into that, you know? And so I wasn't going to let them not showcase their thing at a very, very prestigious sports school. You know, like (laughs) we have like so many people that are like, you're the alt crowd. Yes. Yes. And that's just me. That's me, you know? And so I had these kids like, and we had built a family and that's what I preached. I was like, we're a family here. So so when you do move to Knoxville after all this. Yes. And you meet Zach. Yes. (laughs) You got another show on board now. Yeah. You're doing another thing. Yeah. I'm doing it. You found yourself at the helm of yet another deal. And I'm just happy to know that. In a pinch, Cam's willing to wear a dress. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more than once. Just to be clear, I, I'll yeah. wear a dress too. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. I will say my favorite thing is like after my president was like, no, you can't like, a bit, he didn't say it this way because he could have gotten like sued or whatever. But he essentially told me, he was like, you can't do that gay shit here. You need to stop. And he was like, you're in a position of power. I was like, all right, next play. I dressed up two boys in dresses <laughs> and I had them do it. I like it. And that was the right. That was the show. Like people loved that. Like they were applauding. Everyone was super into it. And like, I remember my, my boys were like, well, but, but like the girls are coming. And I was like, the girls are going to be way more, way more into the man who is confident in a dress than the kid that is playing another Dude, teenager. I bet that yeah. whole faculty was a panic. Oh at, yeah. At, at, at oh this yeah. Theater teacher well, who was. Who was br- who was bringing some femininity to this boys' mm-hmm. school? Yeah, I bet it was. I bet it was out. I bet they were. Uh, they lost. Frightened. Very yeah. small handful actually got me. I was gonna yeah. say to, to to Ben's point. What was your relationship like with your you know your fellow teachers? Yeah, I um I was only close with two 
and that was Kristen and Celine. They were amazing. Celine was a religion teacher there and the most like open, loving, amazing person I've ever met. And then Kristen was like the biology and zoology teacher. And she was just like this guy, you know, like we grew up in the same hometown. We knew each other, whatever. And she was just like, you know, this guy's, you know, he's just who he is. And that's she really likes authentic people. So someone who studies religion and someone who studies animals. Yeah. Understood you. Yeah. The best. <laughs> yeah. Which is like a super weird to think about, you know. Um, and then I was like. I was cordial with like two other people, you know, cause I knew someone that was from the Bay area or our Dean of faculty. Brett was like the coolest, most laid back accepting man. But there was like a vast age difference. He was like in his late fifties and I was fresh out of grad school at 26, you know? Yeah. And I bet there was some serious xenophobia there too. Ton. Like people I bet it was divided like crazy massively the the, uh the old guard did not get you no no there was a guy there our deacon um i think that's what they called him his name was brother john oh brother john (laughs) and brother john was like this weird dude from boston who like you know committed his entire life to being a deacon to the robe to the robe to to the claw yeah yeah to the (laughs) to the claw um and i would tell him things and I talked to him, you know, and he I was just always myself and he was always himself. And at first he and I were like good friends. And then I found out that he was trying to secretly remove me from oh. the um, entire campus. He would just go and talk shit. And be like, I don't like what he's teaching these boys. He's teaching them that like it's OK for them to talk about what they're feeling. And I was like, literally, what is wrong with that? Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, it's 2021. This like hyper masculine macho bullshit needs yeah. to go. Yeah. But I mean. People also freak out about that stuff, especially yeah. in a religious setting. Yeah. You know, and, you know, even more so people who are who are very averse to homosexual behavior or anything that's, you know, different than what the, right. the, anything that's not heterosexual behavior, anything that smells like anything, hetero, different. you know, anything that is alternative to the heteronormative. Yes. Right. Which is just existence. Mm. Um, they they had a hard time. Um, but then. There were a lot of people who realized that I wasn't like performing. It wasn't an act. I was me. I'd show up on Halloween in full makeup in a Princess Leia dress, you know, and then be like, I'd be like, oh, what's up? And they'd be like, whoa, why are you doing that? And I was like, honestly, I was like, she's the most like badass protagonist of the entire film. Like, if you talk about it, it's like she becomes an admirable, an admiral. Yeah. yeah. You know, like she's awesome. Um, and then I also wore my like size, my men's size 14 red pumps <laughs> um, and they, they couldn't hang with that, but that was super fun, you yeah. know, just like also tormenting them, but then also seeing that like, this is an authentic person yeah. really opened them up and exposed them to just different ty- 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 types and, of people. And now that high school no longer has a theater department. <laughs> <laughs> He's taking it to Knox Brew Hub. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, All right. What's it like over there now? What are you guys doing? Yeah. What's he doing for you? What Cam is kicking ass. Yeah. I've I've noticed. (laughs) So, 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 so basically uh, we do the live show on Mondays at six and, and something that I think you'll appreciate. And and this is not, I am not in any way, shape or form knocking on podcasts, but for me personally, I love the energy of a live radio show. Yeah. Your show uh, feels Right. It feels like a morning show. It feels like a live drive time show. Yeah. You and, know. and we were talking earlier about how you talked about your desire to perform 
Mm. Yeah. For me, the radio show is is that stage. Yeah. There is something about um there's something about and obviously this isn't what you do, man. I've I've seen other podcasters who are just like they hit record and they're just like, oh, it doesn't matter if we mess up. We'll just edit it and post. You know, there's a lot of edit and post kind of things, you know, and and that's and that's great. And that works really well for podcasting. But for me, I loved the energy of, OK, six o'clock is coming. It's two minutes away. If you're not ready, tough shit. It's coming. 60 seconds away, 30 seconds away. Go. And there is no. Oh, we'll I, fix it later. We'll fix it later. Yeah. yeah. It's you're going to get exactly what you get. There's an off. So for us, we're not really a podcast. We're a radio show. Yeah. It happens we, to get uploaded to YouTube. That happens. Get, yeah. You know, and so we're, we're a radio and anywhere else. So you can download your podcast. <laughs> I can't think Stitcher. We, we are, we are, we're a radio show first and a podcast, you know, probably second. And a, the YouTube is, is all encompassing. Um, but I love the energy of, okay, we've we've already sh- you know shot our shot. It's it's out there. We can't. Yeah. There's no no put back. that toothpaste back in the tube. Exactly. No, exactly. Um, and and I and I like that. It's fun and it, it keeps everybody on their toes. Sometimes you know it is a struggle. You know because we don't. Yeah. Do you ever get people who are tough to yeah. draw stuff out of? Yeah. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh man, this. It's maybe harder than I thought. So for us, we've every episode so far, we've had two guests at, yeah. at the same time. They talk over each other. No, not no. usually. That's great. Because they, most of the, well, every guest we've had is in the beer industry. Yeah. So they're not strangers. Mm, they know each other. Yes. Okay. Um, and, and if one of them is less lively than the other, it works out because they fills in yin yes. and yang deal. You know, it can be a struggle when there are two individuals that are less lively at the same time. Mm. And that's on me, you know, for, for booking guests. And we've had so many. Well, it's wonderful- also on you because you're the one who has to fill in the gaps <laughs> yeah. when yeah. that shit happens. But but what's what's been fun is we record in front of a live audience. Yes. And so we're getting reactions from the audience. Yeah. And we're also doing questions at from the audience. It's like TRL, baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Zach's got his black nail polish. He's Carson Daly. Yeah. He's like, he's dating Tara Reed and before she was a train wreck. And, and I know Cam wants, yeah, I love that. That's a great <laughs> reference. And I know Cam wants this as much as I do, but as soon as I spend the money, I want to get an audience camera. Yes. So right now we, we all of our cameras are focused. Do you want focused. to borrow my iPhone? <laughs> all, all of our cameras are focused. I need on, a fifth channel. Yeah. <laughs> Splitter. Uh, oh, I can split. I love it. Uh, all of our cameras are focused on the host or the guests. Yeah. And I think we're missing an opportunity by, by putting a camera on our audience. Yeah. And also our, um, it's funny. Our soundboard only has four channels. But we have three hosts and two guests. So yeah. two of our hosts share a microphone. And and so we're we're hoping to get a bigger soundboard so that not only do we not have to share microphones, but I want to run one to Cam as well. Hmm. Cam Cam is on video. He sits behind one of our hosts. I've seen him. Yeah. yeah. He's back there going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 peeking out behind everybody. Oh, that's like my favorite. It's like Zach's like, oh, Cam's over there. And I'm just like, oh, yo, what's good? Yeah. Well, uh, I, awesome. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I'm about to buy another Subaru from Grayson Subaru. So I think those motherfuckers should buy you another camera. <laughs> <laughs> 
You do me a favor and tell them. Yeah, as you're signing. While I'm there. Yeah. Just be like, I'm buying the Subaru because of Zach yes. Roskop and Knox yeah. Brew Stories. I was going to buy a Mazda. I'm a Subaru guy because of Knox Brew Stories. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. I mean, and, and a quick shout out. You know, our sponsors really do make things possible. Yeah, Citizens Bank. First Century Bank. First Century Bank. And Grace and Subaru. And, okay. and, and I'll be really honest. Like, we're very grassroots. We're low-key. We're just trying to, like... I think time is the most valuable resource in life. I agree. And hundred percent. And so I do my best to always respect everyone's time as much as possible. And and their time is valuable. So literally every dollar that we're getting from our sponsors, I'm spending on cam and awesome. striker and Candace and like, you're putting it into the show. Absolutely. That's something that made me really, really want to be a part of this was when Zach and I kind of shot the shit at the bar and just talked, you know, um, I messaged on Instagram cause I saw a thing that they were doing like, Hey, we were looking to do a Knox brew TV, you yeah. know? And I was like, Oh shit. Like I already like that place and I can make stuff like, let's do it. Um, and I reached out, we met up, we talked, but one of the big things that Zach said to me, he was like, he was like, all right, as far as things are considered, if you're down, I'm down. And he goes, and I'm just going to guarantee you that everything we get from this, we're going to put back into you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zach goes, I'm not interested. In this, and this is what, like, you, I don't know if you know this, but this is what, like, made my heart explode. And I went home and I told Corey and I was in tears because I said, oh. Zach said, Zach, Zach says, I don't care if I make money off of this. I just want to tell stories. Yeah. yeah. And that is everything that I've ever preached in any of my film classes. I was like, I don't care if none of you make money. I don't care if what it is. I want to get to know you for who you are. And this is what this is. And anytime there's like a movie that has something about like being yourself or like following your passion and dream, you know, that's what breaks me down. And so that Zach embodied that entire thing just for something that was like, you know, he's like, I'm from here. I'm passionate about this. Let's do this, you know? And I barely knew the dude. And I just felt, you know, in my heart that it was like something that I can, I that I can commiserate with you about, Thanks, you know? Man. Well, the thing about Zach. Oh, God. Here we go. Is <laughs> giant penis. <laughs> That's it's, not true. It's this long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's that guy? He, he filmed it for me once. It was <laughs> I almost, I almost said his actual book. name. Uh, <laughs> I won't say it. I promise. Ed Nye. Um, Zach uh, has this thing about him where everybody wants to help him tell his story. Dude, and I'm the luckiest person, man. It's 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 a crazy thing because, and I think the reason, Zach, people want to help you do it is not because it's your story. It's because you're trying to tell everybody else's. Yeah. And so it becomes this synergistic collective. My story, my story is... Everybody it's else's. your story yeah. and cams and, and everyone else's. I mean, I, I mean this, like if relationships were a currency, I would be a millionaire. Yeah, I agree. And I feel very, oh, I would have made some terrible investments. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very lucky and very blessed. And, um, you know, it's, it has been a very rewarding seven years of my life since I started in Oxford tours. I've dedicated, Every day to telling the stories of Knoxville beer, and and now yeah. with people like Cam and, and Stryker and Candice, we're we're doing what we've always done, but we're using technology to to do it on a on a digital platform that will last forever. I, I want to create 
the ultimate archive of Knoxville beer. I mean, 50 years from now when beer's not cool anymore and people want to look back at the 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 boom of of craft beer in the country. Yeah. I want there to be this epic body of work where people can get connected to what happened here in 2020 and 2021 in Knoxville. I mean, I think I, I'm going to get a little dramatic for just a second. Do it. When you drink local beer and you choose to spend your money at a local brewery or go to a bar or restaurant and, and get a local pint, you're literally putting food on the table of the people in Knoxville who are bartenders of that breweries, uh, janitors at those breweries, servers at those breweries, brewers, owners, assistant managers, and they're people that make that all possible. And the more we learn about them, the more invested we are in understanding the value of purchasing that pint. It's not, it's not I'm just buying this beer to put some random person's food on the table. I'm buying this beer to put food on Steve's table yeah. and his wife or husband and kids. And, and I, I just, the more we learn about what embodies our community, I think the more people are going to want to support it. I think that's what you do better than anybody that I've seen is you make us understand that it's our neighbors that we're supporting. Absolutely. It's a hundred percent. When we're doing this, it's not, it, it, it's not somebody's self-serving, you know, thing. It's not somebody's ego that you're feeding when you're buying their beer, wherever it's, it's their family that well, you're, that you're feeding. You're not well, just making somebody an extra million dollars when yeah. you go eat at their restaurant. And like to take it another step, like let's think outside that brewery. The, there's a graphic artist sure. that designed that wire. can. Yeah. And when you buy that can, you're supporting that graphic artist. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You it's know? a horizontal yeah. deal. Like every, there, there's a lot of different industries that are, that are involved in it. So, so I, you know, I could talk about beer and, and Knoxville and stories forever and I will spare all of you that, but I just, I think it matters. Well, I think we're lucky to have you, Zach, because I think if you were out there saying, rah, rah, come support Zach Roscoff, <laughs> you probably wouldn't get a lot of traction. But because you're not doing that, you're not saying, hey, look at me. You're you're the person who is fanning all of this attention out to different places. I thought and that was far enough away from the mic that Burp was not. I'm so sorry. Good. Go ahead. You're fanning the attention out to so many different places, so many different breweries, so many different bartenders, so many different places to go drink a beer, so many places to go enjoy a meal. Um, I, I think that it is so easy for people to get behind and support you because of that, because it's not a selfish endeavor. They're not supporting me. They're supporting. I know. I know. You know and that's what I, I know, but you are somewhat of <laughs> you're part of it. Well, you're an easy figurehead to approach I'm, or not, not just the figurehead. You're just a, an easy way to go to, to get all of the, you know, if I support you, I know that I'm supporting a lot of people. Well, I, I really yeah. appreciate that. That means a lot. It's been um, the most rewarding thing I've ever done. So, so go to the brew hub, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and watch their show. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say go to all the breweries, but uh, come to the hub first. But you ser- you ser- you serve all the breweries beers, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, just come to the hub first. We'll point you in the right direction. Yeah, you, I think you'll like this, Ben. This is actually the foundation of Knox Brew Hub. Is me overhearing a conversation at a restaurant. So I was back to back with a gentleman 
I was at a two top and the gentleman and his wife were behind me and I overheard the server walk up to the table and the gentleman said, I'm in town for the day where, and I love beer. Where should I go? And the, and the server said, crafty bastard. And the guy said, great, thanks. And that was the end of the conversation. Mm. And mm. I love Crafty Bastard. Crafty Bastard is a phenomenal brewery. Maybe one of the best, yeah, if they're, not the best. They're 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 right. fantastic. Yeah. And um, but I I was bothered by this conversation only because there was a lack of information. It wasn't like, well, Crafty Bastard does this, and then you yes. can go here for this, yeah. and you can go to Alliance so, for this. So I I turned around and I kind of said, "Excuse me, sir. I heard you're in town. You know, I own a brewery tour company. You know, I'm not trying to impose. Blah blah blah." Uh, what kind of beer do you like? Yeah. And that should was, be the number one question. And he was like, I love German lagers. Schultz Right. Okay. So I was like, excellent. Crafty bastard is awesome. You should not go there. <laughs> and he's like, why? And I was like, they don't have a single German lager on draft. <laughs> and I was like, if I, how does a mushroom beer sound to you? He goes, that sounds terrible. I go, well, that's one of the things that crafty bastard does really well. <laughs> Well, he's like, where should I go? I was like, Do you should go to Schultzbrau. I was like, it's a German brewery owned by a German family, and they make German lager. They barely yeah. speak English. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is, is if that gentleman had gone to Crafty Bastard, it probably not would not have been best for him. It also probably would not have been best for Crafty Bastard. Right. Mm. Right? They would have gotten an unhappy customer because someone sent them there not knowing who they are and what right. they do. Our breweries are so vast and so different and have such unique personalities. Nuanced. Yes. And so at the hub, our goal, our dream, our vision is that if you're coming to Knoxville to explore our beer community, come to the hub first and let us interview you for a minute. How long are you in town for? What's your mode of transportation? What is in the environment that you're looking for? Do you have a dog with you? Do you want to eat? Do you like to watch sports? Do you want to be pushed outside of your comfort zone when it comes to beer? Or do you want a safe gateway beer? Like, I kind of want to make one of those flow charts that's like, if you have this here, if you have this, then go, go to here. here. Yeah. And, and, and let us point you in the right direction. Because if you're in a car, that's a very different conversation. If you're on foot. That's a very different right right conversation. So our vision for Knox Brew Hub is we want to be the gateway to Knoxville beer. We want to be your first stop on your Knoxville beer adventure. And um, yeah, I, I, we're a little crazy, but as far as I know, we're the only bar in the world whose job is to encourage you to drink somewhere somewhere else. else. <laughs> <laughs> so far, it's working. I'd love it. You'd be surprised how many people show up. We we tell them where to go. They go to all the places and then they come back and tell us about their experience. And thank you. It's and drink another super beer, rewarding. It's yeah. so freaking cool. Um, I'm not sure if it's a, you know, if it's a solvent business model, Zach, but <laughs> yeah, it's, man, it, is, <laughs> it is a damn nice. But if thing it's going to work do. for anyone, it's going to work for this guy. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Teflon know, over here. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that's really lucky for us is the breweries, um, the breweries send us beer that no one else has access to yeah. because we send people so, to so, the brewery. Right. So you guys yeah. become exclu- an exclusive yeah. place to drink. You know, Orange beers. Orange Hat's a newish brewery. Yeah. And they're in East Nashville. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and their beer's amazing, we, by we, the way. You may Shout not know out this Brandon. yet, but we call West Knoxville East, East Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. That's fine. That's where I live. So now I know yeah. that. Um, <laughs> so, so Brandon at Orange Hat's great. Rodney, Love the whole Brandon. crew. Yeah. They don't distribute their beer anywhere. 
Except for Knox Brew Hub. I love it. And so uh, we're really lucky and fortunate for for those types of situations. All right. You guys good? Yeah, I'm sweaty. It's been awesome i'm so sweaty yeah, i'm gonna pee again i have to pee i've been holding it the whole time i think i feel like i just have like an iron bladder uh i'm so glad you guys came hey man, i'm damn glad to meet us. you cam i'm glad to meet you too man yeah. this was so fun Good. like i it, agree yeah 100%. it was just a great time and i didn't expect to get as hippy dippy as i did uh, god it was out there man no i love it I love no it. it's good i was like expecting to be like yeah beer's pretty cool <laughs> And and I will say this as my final comment. Um, It means a lot to me that both of you trusted me. You trusted me to bring a guest and Cam, you trusted me to, to to bring you into a a scenario and a situation that, that you felt safe and that it would be enjoyable for yeah. you. And, and so thank you both for, for trusting me to, to bring course, us man. together. Dude, we've been the best friends we've got. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In honor of my new friend, Cam, let hey. us go forth into the world. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, fellas. Zach Roscoff, Cam Molidor. What a good time. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys a lot. Go to Instagram, South of Scruffy, to follow us there. Check us out. Go to patreon.com slash South of Scruffy if you want to get in on that scene. Get a little bit more out of the show. We appreciate that a lot. It helps keep the lights on, which we appreciate too because they're bright. And we need them for the video. Thanks for being here, guys. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you real soon. Cicada Brood X, the low hum. 